this podcast may contain spoilers from whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Viewers Anonymous. <clears throat> What's going on? I am Scrooge Bronson. And I am S. Foster, and welcome to Viewers Anonymous, man. How we feeling, man? First off, first off, when I ask you how you feeling, I want to know how you feeling, but also, man, how the hip ain't had no updates on the hip and all oh, that type man. of stuff, so how you feeling? <laughs> man, I am uh, I'm feeling good, man. You know, um, I'm at, man. You know what I'm saying? I've been, I've been waiting since, you know what I'm saying, this weekend to, to talk about this movie. Um... I've been trying my best to not have like uh like little sidebars about the movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> I really been just, you know, trying to keep my cool, man, but goodness gracious, goodness gracious, man. Um I just been, you know, excited about that. Hip feeling good. Um still got that back strain. Uh, you know, it's it, it's getting better day by day. So, you know, I'm I'm kinda just taking it a day at a time, man. How you feeling? Uh, this is like probably the first time like coming into like an episode mm-hmm. where it's like like I was do I was ready like after I watched it the first time because like I watched it after we got done with the Friday episode okay. and it was like dude it was like I wanted to hit you like at like. 11 Man, o'clock at night. <laughs> 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 it's like, I know, hey, I know it, I know let's it, get it in, like, right now. Listen, but, hey. <laughs> I feel you 100%, bro. I, te- I, I think I, I don't know if I hit you or I put it up. I'm like, bro, I can't. I think I tweeted it. I was like, I cannot wait till Tuesday to talk about this movie, bro. I cannot wait, bro. Man, it's it's so I'm glad I did though. I'm glad I did because I was able to because I was able to watch it again, like I watched it twice. Um Yeah, me too. So I was able to collect different thoughts and stuff like that. But like the wild part is I got a um uh, I got a message, uh well not a message but a comment on the cause you remember I did a, a Fred Hampton episode mm-hmm. Tuesday. Yep, I seen it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I seen it. Yep. So uh, on, on 28 minutes or less, uh, if you haven't heard that, everybody go check that out. But um, so Candace had hit me. She uh, had listened to it, and so she hit me. She was like, "I waited to listen to it to after I seen the movie." Yeah. And so she was like, "I'm glad I did that," but she was like, "But the things you talked about wasn't even things that was in the movie." Right. And she was just like, "You know, I learned." She was like, "I learned so much." Like just from your podcast, she was like, and like those, these are the type of things that like really keep me going. Like when somebody tell me something like, like, yo, she was like, you did a a, a great justice to Fred, yeah, as far as that podcast. And I was like, wow, man, like that, that, like that means a lot. But it's like when when you when you when you feel a certain way about a person, and then like you do it because like. Another reason, because like I told you, man, like I'm seeing people posting stuff about Fred and all this. It's like, man, y'all want to post shit now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been on this dude. I've been posting about this man. Like, he's he's just, he's just like, he's that good. And I think this movie was able to really show the people 
But also at the same time, man, when it comes to Bill O'Neill, it's like the way because I had a thing like, listen, I had when I watched it the first time, I would tell you the particular I had. Like, Hold on, real quick, real quick, before you start, before you start, for anybody that don't know what we're talking about, man, um, we're talking, oh, <laughs> yeah, we talking about Judas, yeah, we're talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, um, this is uh, the story of, well, okay, so initially I thought this was just going to be the story of Fred Hampton, but truthfully, mm. this is the story of the assassination of Fred Hampton, um, it's starring Daniel Kaluuya, it's starring Lakeith Stanfield, um, Martin Sheen is in this. Jesse Plemons is in this. Um, Dominique Fishback is in this. You might know her from Project Power, The Deuce, or um, what's the other movie she was just Oh, she was just in The Hate You Give. So, you know what I'm saying? She, she's kind of been in this lane for a minute. Uh, it's starting a few other people, but those are just some of the names that I think a lot of people um, recognize. But go ahead. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Start off. My bad. But look, look I'm, I'm so oh, ready, but I ain't even... <laughs> Hey, I'm in podcast mode, dude. But like, it's it's um the particular that I had was the fact that it it really was like more of the Bill O'Neill. You know what I'm saying? Because like when you look at screen time, like a lot of the screen time went to Lakeith Stanfield, which was like I had to I had to take my emotion out of it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I was looking forward to like a, a straight up Fred film. You know what I mean? Right. But I think that they was able to, I think that the time frame that they chose, I think that it was perfect for the people to see and for people to understand. Like, I think just from the events that they show, I think it shows people why Fred, like, is one of my favorite people in history. So mm-hmm. I had to take a, I had to take a step back and, like, and and the, and the other thing that I felt that I didn't like, but like I said, I had to watch it a second time to kind of understand it was the fact that I felt like in some scenes they was trying to kind of, when it came to Bill O'Neill, it kind of felt like they was kind of justify what he was doing. Like sometimes I kind of, I kind of got that vibe and it was like, nah, like, nah, it's like, this is what happened when you boost cars and impersonate an FBI agent, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You want to go out and do the crime, you're going to go do the time. Yeah. But it's it's a whole lot more deeper than that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, from what, you know, from Bill O'Neill's point of view, and like you spoke on um, when we was talking about this last week was the fact that Lakeith Stanfield said in the interview that, like, we have to sit back and think, like, are we Bill O'Neill and how many Bill O'Neills are they out in the world? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that that honestly, there are a lot more Bill O'Neills than there are yeah. anybody. But I felt like when it came to somebody like Fred, I think that you would have to have like, for instance, and I'm, I'm going to shut up, but like in, in the early scene when they did, uh, you know, when, when, uh, where Roy Mitchell brought him into the uh, interrogation room, and he was like, "How did you feel when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated?" Yeah, and he was just like, you know, he kind of like brushed it off, like you know, like whatever, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he asked him about Dr. Malcolm X, and he was like, "I don't really think about it." Yeah. So like he kind of fell in that category of like, well, you're not gonna care. 
about taking down Fred Hampton. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like the you could tell like from just from that quick interview was like, yo, like this dude, he he really don't care about the advancement of black people, basically. Yeah. So like that's what I kind of took for it. What took from it was that, and I thought that that was very telling, like from the jump, if that was his answers to those questions. Um. So my my, I told you I was gonna tell you this. So my initial um thought of this movie just from the trailer, right? Was uh I thought that it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be the story of Fred Hampton, right? I thought that was gonna go from him joining. You know what I'm saying? Him becoming the chairman, you know what I mean? And then eventually, you know, his assassination. But as I started watching it, I realized that this is not the story of Fred Hampton. This is truthfully the story of his assassination. And um, what I also realized was this movie was more so, um, this movie was more so, to me at least, the struggle of Bill O'Neill having to be an informant and basically, you know, going through the liberation from oppression of his own people. And this is, I I said it last week, man, Lakeith Stanfield, bro. Lakeith fucking Stanfield, bro. This dude is amazing. I'm trying to tell you, this dude is amazing. When he, he said, um, he said that he had to go to therapy after this role. And mm-hmm. I get it. I see, I understand why. Because he immersed himself in this role. Like, when it, you know, it cuts in and they uh, they basically show you a scene from, or he's um, he's reenacting the scene from Eyes on the Prize 2, right? And they talk, and they're supposed to be talking to Bill O'Neill or whatever. And, you know, he get to, they get to asking him the question and everything like that. And it's not Bill O'Neill, it's Lakeith Stanfield. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes at the end of the movie, they actually show the clip of Bill O'Neill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really get to see the, 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 not necessarily the comparison, but just basically like how, just how much he really dove into this, into this role. Um, hats off to Daniel Kaluuya, man. He, he really embodied uh, Fred Hampton. I mean, like from the, from the speech to the, the the movements and everything, like I think before I even watched the the movie, I went back and like watched a couple of Fred Hampton speeches or whatever, like the few I could find, and even the interviews stuff like that. And it's like he he you could tell he they both did their homework. They did an amazing job with this film. Um, shout out to Shaka King. Um, I know Ryan Coogler has something to do with this. Shout out to both of them. They really, you know what I'm saying, put their foot in this one, man. This is one of the ones, like, um, I know Charlemagne said it earlier when he was saying, like, us growing up, you know, we had the Malcolm X movie. You know what I'm saying? Spike Lee did us a justice by giving us that Malcolm X movie. I think that Shaka King and Ryan Coogler just did this generation justice by giving them Judas and the Black Messiah. Because it's, you know, we just recently had this weird time where, like, the media was trying to paint the Black Panthers in this narrative, right? And they kept trying to make it seem like they were a terrorist organization. They kept talking about, like, terrorist organizations. And they kept trying to put those two 
like as synonyms down there. But you know, if you don't do the history and you don't go back and really do your own research, you you didn't know the you know what I'm saying the, the truth of what the Black Panther stood for. You know, we get breakfast programs. It, that the the breakfast programs that we got in schools, the breakfast programs that you know would come through neighborhoods, we never would have got that if it wasn't for the Black Panthers. Um, the WIC program that never would have started if it wasn't for the Black Panthers. There's so many things that this country and the, and the government has not only just taken from Black people in general, but just took they taken from the Black Panthers and used it in you know all of these low income communities as if, you know, they were the creators of it or they were the initiators of it, when truthfully it all started off within the Black Panther Party. Um, what I realized about um, Fred Hampton, or as they call him in the movie, Chairman Fred, um, I thought that was dope too, that they was, they was using the real, you know what I'm saying, terms that they were saying, you know, because... A lot of the people weren't saying like uh like if you go back and watch some of the Black Panther movies they tried to make before, like you don't get those you don't get those true um you don't you don't get that true feel of it. Like how they would call each other comrade, um, mm-hmm. instead of brother or whatever. They would call each other comrade because they considered themselves to be at war. How they would, you know, they would use war terminology even though they're not really at a physical war, they had a mental war. But they use a war terminology. You know, they they instead of calling him, you know, uh, brother Fred, they call him Chairman Fred. You know what I'm saying? Or, or they would just call him Chairman. I thought that was uh, brilliant for them to be able to to make it as real as possible. Um, I know family was directly involved in this, which was, you know, that's 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 all you need right there. To uh, you know, anytime you can get the family directly involved, that's you know amazing. But the one thing that I found out. From listening to um, your podcast, actually, was that he was only twenty one. Mm-hmm. He was twenty one years old, bro. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, but this this movie, man, I <laughs> I don't I I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't I don't have nothing bad to say about this. Um. I'll, I'll let you go and, and go where you got to go, but when you're done, I just I want to talk about Lakeith Stanfield when you get done. <laughs> Dude. Nah, like it, it was <laughs> now, nah, and you also <clears throat> forgot about uh, free clinics. You know what yep, I'm saying? Like clinics, that's something yep. that's something else that they did, and and like that's like that's one of the things that's that's upsetting to me is the fact that the, the way that they portray the Black Panthers, and I think it's really because. You know, they're able to, you know, put together these these groups as far as, you know, the Proud Boys or as far as the KKK and all this little stuff. And they and they use a Second Amendment, you know what I'm saying, to back what they're doing. But it's like as soon as a black group do it, you know what I'm saying, they're wrong and they portray them to be this certain way. And what I thought was was awesome was the fact that they was able to like Daniel was able to embody Fred so well that you know like sometimes like you know cause Fred had like this like this the way he would talk like the way certain mm-hmm. words would come out mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like you would have to hear it again 
because like he would just say words differently and like daniel did that too and it was just like yeah you know i'm trying to catch that word that he said because it's like like it it was like it was so wild dude it was so wild but like what was so great was what fred was able to do was amazing what was so amazing about him was how and even even Lakeith said that to the cop. He was like, yo, this dude basically, you know, he could sell water to a whale. Like he mm-hmm. because they showed the scene where and 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 I thought it was so important because I was sitting here and you know it's it's kind of a shame to say, but like me, um me and my uncle and my dad were talking like they had came over um Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so we and I'm talking to Uncle about you know this movie. And so my dad was like, so I asked my dad, was he going to watch it? He was like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to watch no movies about no violence. I was like, what you talking about? Like, like your favorite movie is Lethal Weapon. Like, what are you talking about? Like, There's <laughs> a whole bunch of violence in Lethal Weapon. Like, man, what are you yeah. talking about? And so then he was just like, yeah, but, you know, the Black Panthers, you know, they were this, they were that. And, you know, they didn't have white people in their group. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, man, there was like in the Chicago chapter, there was a lot of white people in there. Like they just couldn't have a, a you know, a leadership position. But what was so great was the scene where, you know, like they, well, this was the second meeting. Well, not the meeting. I can't call it a meeting because they didn't discuss with the other half. Mm-hmm. But they went to see, uh, oh man, what what was the what was the one group called with the, with the green hats? Oh, the crowns. Yeah, the crowns. So he went and met with the crowns. And he told them, we're not bringing, we ain't bringing no weapons. Like, this is a, mm. a meeting of peace. So, but when he went to go talk to the, uh, ah, oh, shit, man, everything is slipping my mind. I got so much going through my, uh, you man. You talking about the leader? Yeah, other, 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 uh, shit. What do they, what do they call themselves? Damn, man. I'm just Which blanking group? out. But he went to go see the, the white people. Oh, you talking about the the the? Uh, I just called them the white nationalists. Well, okay, so let's roll with that. They, they called, called them something. I that, think they were like the young, the young southerners or something like that. It was. It wasn't young southerners. It was. It was something, man. It was something crazy. But anyway, so mm-hmm. Fred, they, they sneak in and like the people are talking, and so um, my one man from uh, the play Wizard, you know what I'm saying, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Wu-Tang saga, uh, the saga continues, like, he didn't want to go in there. He was just like, yo, I don't even want to rock with these dudes. So, my man is up there preaching. And he was like, yo, you're Fred Hampton. So, Fred, you know, played it cool. And then my man was like, you know, I don't like that flag. He was like, y'all see a flag hanging. I see my uncle hanging from a tree. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So, he was like, he wasn't trying to feel it. So, Fred starts. And it's just the way he talks to people. And he yes, just so convinced and he and like and and he was able to relate to the people in a way where they was like, damn, I never thought of it this way because my man said, yo, like I don't know, my people weren't rich, like they're no, they were sharecroppers. Mm-hmm. He was like, Well, just think if the sharecroppers and the slave were, were together, just imagine what we could accomplish. Exactly. And it just like it just like that that train of thought, like they never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And like I can, I always, I always bring this up. And a great depiction of it is uh, uh, the Free State of Jones. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like 
what a lot of people don't seem to realize about history is when it goes to the Civil War, the government is so convincing to, like Uncle Washington always say, that uh, the great lie, you know, mm-hmm. by telling white people that y'all are superior to black people, mm-hmm. no matter what the situation is, no matter if you don't have as you know enough money, whatever the case, you're you're better than them because of your skin color. We see, it's like we've when, seen that with the past presidency. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like when you look at the Civil War, it's like you got all of these poor white people fighting for the mm-hmm. right for rich white people to keep their mm-hmm. slaves. Like, yeah. think about that. Like, really think about it. It's a dumbass concept. Right. It's like you, you're poor and then you go fight and then you go back to being poor again. It's like, yep. it's, it's, it's dumb. So, like, Fred was able to like, yo, think about those sharecroppers and those slaves. If they would have banded together, what they could have accomplished. And then he yeah. was like, I'm pretty sure y'all kids were getting the same bullshit education that our kids are getting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was like, we pay the cops. He's like, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We pay the pigs, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to beat our heads in. He was like, imagine that. We pay them to beat our heads in. Yeah. And like, and they finally like realizing, like, damn, like, I don't like him, but this dude making some points. And it's just like Fred was able to do that. And like that was what was so great about him. You know, showed up at the uh at the uh dude, I can't think of nothing right now. He, but, he uh, went to the Puerto the, Ricans. The too. Vice Lords. He went to the Vice Lords. He, and went, he went to, to them. The yeah. And he went to them at their funeral. And it was just like, and you know, and he talked about forming the Rainbow Coalition. And I thought yeah. that that was like one of the eye-opening parts of that movie for people who never heard of Fred and don't even know what the Rainbow Coalition is because everybody has this idea of, oh, with the Black Panthers, they was all about... No, of course, yes, we're all about the advancement of Black people, of course. But at the same time, Fred was like, yo, we're about our people, but at the same time, it's more of a class movement it's more yeah. of a poor people's movement yeah. than to just make it about a black people's movement. And mm-hmm. that's what made him so dangerous and I'll stop. But when he's when when the movie started, when they first showed uh, shout out to Martin Sheen. Sorry you had to play the terrible joke. Man, Hulu, I know. Oh man. <laughs> I love Martin Sheen, but man, you know what I'm saying? I had to hate him throughout this film. I did too, and it hurt my soul because he's from Dayton, Ohio. I was like, why are you, Martin? <laughs> I know, man. I know, but like he's he gave us some of the definition yeah. of quarantine pro. Yeah, we have to uh have to uh prevent the rise of a black messiah. Yeah, and they showed Fred, and they said that like the most they said they are the biggest threat to America. He said more than Russia, more than the Chinese, and it's like yo, when you thinking like the fuck. And then it circles back to it when he asked Roy Mitchell when he was like he asked him about his daughter. He mm-hmm. was like, you know, how you gonna feel when she bring a Negro home? And you know, and my man was confused. Like, like why are we talking about my infant daughter? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And he <clears throat> said it right then and there. He was like, if Fred continues what he's doing, that's what's gonna happen. When your daughter get old enough, she's gonna be, you know, Touchy, touchy, Philly, Philly with these mm-hmm. black people. If Fred keep going down the way, the route that he's going, 
Um, you you brought up an interesting point when you talked about you know what I'm saying the, the what Fred was basically teaching because that was the you know that was initially the the beginning of the Black Panthers to begin with. Um, it started off as protection, you know, what I'm saying from the from the police from the KKK, and then you know saying they they branched out and really started, you know, pulling the the poor people together. You know, what I'm saying they started really just protecting the poor people. They realized that it wasn't just race; it was class, like you said. Uh, that was a great point. But for me, man, the the star of this film, bro, is Lakeith Stanford. Um. The oh my god, just the just the way that just the way that he took this role over, just the way that he took this movie over. So, like you said in the beginning, that um, that you know, with Daniels with, with Daniel Kaluuya and you know, him being Fred Hampton, that he didn't have that much screen time, but he was so good that when he was on when he was on screen, it seemed like forever you know what i'm saying like it didn't seem like it was just one of them quick i mean like anytime he was on anytime he got to talking just period he he played the hell out of this role so with me lakeith stanfield though like when I, that's why i said when i watch this movie as i'm watching him i'm realizing that this is not the story of fred hampton this is the story of his assassination um you he really showed he embodied the struggle of and, and this, and I, and I know you said like you. It seemed as if they were trying to justify it. I don't necessarily feel that way. I think they wanted to show people, you know, the just the, the struggle that it was for some of these guys. Like you got to look at it like this: he was getting pressed by the FBI, right? Mm-hmm. At a time where this dude was a car thief, it wasn't like he was this. Dude that had it going, this dude was stealing cars. He was impersonating mm-hmm. FBI agents, cops, or whatever, just to you know get cars. Um, I think when I think when he had got interrogated by um Agent Mitchell, I think that Agent Mitchell realized just how intelligent this dude was, right? The fact that he sat there and he asked him, he said, Well, you know, you just a car thief, why not use a knife or a gun? And he was like, shit, a badge is just like having the army behind you. You know what I'm saying? He was like, shit, we fear a badge. We don't fear a knife in the gun. Anybody can get a knife in the gun. He said, but when you see a badge, we got to, you know, he like, when we get a badge, it's a, it's a whole different reaction. So he was like, well, how did you, because uh, even remember, they had, they had uh, when dude had said something about it when they met the crowns. And he was like, that's old dude that stole such and such car. So they had, you know, they was about to offer they like, yo, you know, why they saying you a pig? So when he, you know, he's describing everything and he talking to him, and um, they was like, you know, why you use a badge? Or, you know, why don't you, you did love? And he was explaining to him, like, shit, I impersonated a cop. I impersonated an FBI officer. Get their car, you know what I'm saying? Handcuff them, get their keys, and I ride out. And I'm like, damn, that's, you think about it, that's that's genius. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how who who wouldn't it, you know what I mean? Like who would have thought of some shit like that? But except the crown wasn't stupid though, because they was like, oh, yeah. why would they send an FBI agent for a stolen car? 
Yeah, they were they was like that. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was it was dope because you really you know what I'm saying like you really got to see this from a point of view of somebody that you know we we would look at and discuss somebody that you know what I'm saying we would basically disagree with you know wholly wholeheartedly um but just to see that internal struggle of him you know being an informant and at the same time he's realizing as he's you know as he's basically infiltrating the Black Panther Party or this chapter of the Black Panther Party and trying to get as close as he can to Fred Hampton, he's realizing that they're actually doing good. Like, they're not this terrorist organization or they're not causing all this havoc that these motherfuckers are saying. You know, even when uh, even when they brought him in, when they brought him in, they beat his ass before they brought him in. He, he was bleeding from his eyelid, mm-hmm. handcuffed behind a chair. So it's like you you know you know how to he knew how the police were treating black people. You know, you he he been through it. This ain't something that's a far-fetched idea. You just witnessed it, you just experienced it. I'm sure he's experienced it before. Even you know what I'm saying, and I know he knew because he said, like you said, having that badge is like having the army behind you. So it's not like he wasn't aware. When he asked him, how did you feel about Martin and Malcolm dying? I think that was that was when he showed his weakness. That was when the agent saw, you know, Agent Mitchell saw that opening to basically right, you know, wrangle him in. Um, at first, it seemed as if he was just going along with it, like you know, he didn't really he. It, there was no way that that he could tell what the fuck was going to happen. He didn't know none of that shit. He was just basically going along with it because money was involved in it. He wasn't going to jail. You know what I'm saying? He was basically getting in with these motherfuckers and just giving them information. Towards the end, you really started to see, especially when they freed, uh, when um, when he got free from the prison and he came back and he did that speech in the church. And he was standing, you know, Bill was standing there and he looking at the, you know, he's looking at the agent while the agent is sitting there in the crowd. And it was crazy because even even Fred had said that. He said, you know, I know it's a lot of agents out there that want me dead. He said, even some of you in the crowd are standing out there right now. And I was like, yo, the fact that he can, the fact that he can mentally take that and 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 know that at any time, like they could do, you know, they could they would shoot him or whatever. Like just the fact that he knows that the enemy is right there and he going off like with no fear, no nothing, right? That shit was amazing. So I think that when in the, in hearing that speech at the same time, because even when he, you know, he was having them you know, do the chant, and he was saying, you know, I am a revolutionary. At first, Bill wasn't saying nothing. And as the crowd kept going, he started to feel that shit. So, he, you know, he starts saying it. And then he look up, he see the agent. Now he really start feeling it because it's like, damn, like, what am I, you know, like you can see at that moment, he like, yo, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I really working for these motherfuckers when these, you know, my people out here really struggling, my people out here really getting their fucking heads kicked in, and here I am on the other side basically helping these motherfuckers do the same thing, you know what I'm saying, that we fighting against. And so, you know, you you really just seen that that struggle of him trying to, you know, really see where he wanted to be in that moment. 
You know what I mean? Like, especially that scene, I think that was one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. The fact that, you know, like when he was chanting, you could see it in his face. Like he felt that anger. He started feeling that hate. Cause he's like, God damn, like, why did, you know, you, you can tell like the wheels getting to turn it. Like, why, did, why does it have to be like this? Like, why do we have to go through this kind of struggle? You know what I'm saying? Just to have, you know, this, the, the same equity, the same equality, just to have the same liberties. Like it, it shouldn't be like this, right? Then I thought another powerful scene in the movie was um, when he was coming in. This is when Fred was locked up, and he was coming into the um, into the headquarters. And then he, you know, he had a dude at the top of the stairs with the rifle. And he was like, "Man, what the fuck you doing?" And he was like, "Man, you know, uh, we got some people on the run, you know." So I'm just making sure ain't no motherfuckers coming to get us. And he goes upstairs, and they got somebody. Supposedly, got somebody from the uh, from a different chapter or whatever. And then they explaining what they did to a dude that they was claiming to be a rat. And this is where it got to the point to where I think that the agent was starting to question shit too, right? So he hear about everything that they did to the rat, and he start understanding like, yo, these motherfuckers might kill me if they find out what the fuck going on. And so he clicked back in the character, and, you know, he was saying, like, you know, they lucky I ain't catch him or whatever, put on the front, whatever. It, it skipped to the scene where both of the FBI agents are in there talking to each other. And he's like, yeah, I got a man on the inside. He says that, you know, they killed some one of the uh, people that they said was a rat, whatever, whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's my guy. He was like, well, why wouldn't y'all tell me that, you know what I'm saying, y'all got a guy in there? He was like, oh, I ain't nothing to worry about. He was like, man, you know, it's just, you know, we we just got him in there. He was like, well, so basically what you're saying is that y'all let him kill a motherfucker and y'all just let him go scot-free? He was like, that's basically the, the motherfucker that we, you know, that's what we need right there. He was like, nah, we basically told him we going after the bigger fish. Yeah, but you also got to mention with that part because I also thought what was important about that was the yeah. fact of he said that with him doing that, we that's always a, a thing for a warrant for Harbin in the Fugitive. So yeah. this dude was doing a tour all over the country just for a reason for them to ramshack the damn headquarters. And like, then like they, they were some dirty up. motherfuckers, exactly. Yeah. And I think and I think also, man, um that the end where you know, he, he, he had that last, well, he had the last meeting with uh, Agent Mitchell, or the next to last meeting. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was one of the meetings where, uh, well, basically a meeting where he told him that he wanted Fred Hampton dead. And he was like, you know, like, I didn't know you were going to kill him. You know what I'm saying? That's where, I, that's where I started to see, like, oh, now you realize you fucked up. You know what I'm saying? You realize just how deep this in, into this shit that you are. Because, he, you know, he tell him, like, man, I'm not going to kill him. He was like, well, shit, if you don't kill him, we'll just tell them motherfuckers that you are informant. He was like, shit, you seen what they did to the last guy that they thought was a rat? And he like, God damn, now you stuck between the rock and the hard place. You know what I'm saying? And then to, to find out that, man, to find out the, that he had, they had so many motherfuckers that was working for them was just crazy. And the way that they had motherfuckers working in was crazy. Like, um, shout out to Lil Rel. I forgot Lil Rel was in the movie, but the, he played the pimp. 
And he's sitting there, you know, he's sitting at the bar. And he walked up to him. He was like, man, check out this paper. And then he looked and he seen, you know what I'm saying, he seen the sedative or whatever. And he was like, yo, you know what I'm saying, this is what you're going to give him. And he was like, he won't wake up at all. And he was like, man, get the fuck out of here, man. Talking about some, you know, some story in the paper. And then after, you know, after he the pet walk out, he leave out and he chase at them. And he like, yo, man, what the fuck? And he just, he was like, yo, we everywhere. And then he was like, I want to see your badge. And then he handed him back the badge that he used to fucking steal the car in the beginning. And it was just like, God damn, like this, this COINTEL pro shit was deep. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think on, a, on, another, on another side of it too, man, is like this really showed us just how how deep COINTEL pro went it. I mean, went it. How deep COINTELPRO went as well, because it was like, we, we we finally get to see the interactions, not just between, um, you know, the, the the cops and the and the black people, but we actually get to see the, the interactions between the agents and the informants, and these people that's basically dismantling, you know, the, the Panther Party or dismantling, um, you know, the, the black revolution. And then to find out like that he did this, he did this uh this documentary, he did the second eyes on the prize, and he was, you know, they asked him the this is the real, this is the real Bill O'Neill. This isn't um Lakeith Stanfield. And they asked him at the end, they said, uh, you know, how do you how do you think you will be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? And he was like, I want history to see that, you know, I wasn't just somebody sitting on the sideline talking. I was actually a part of history. And I thought that was odd that he said that. Because it was like, yeah, you, but you was on the wrong side, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like you was, you you wasn't next to these, mo- I mean, he was, but he wasn't doing it with the right intentions. You know what I'm saying? You weren't next to these people with the right intentions. You basically was on this, you know, you basically helped them dismantle the, the, the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers. You you basically took out one of our greatest leaders, and then to find out that when this documentary, um, when this documentary airs on PBS, the same day, he commits suicide. He walks in the traffic and gets killed. So that just further lets me know, like that he was even even all these years later, and that was I think that was in like 1990. So even 20 25 years later, that's still on his mind. That's still on his heart. So. That's why I said that Lakeith Stanfield really, he really did a hell of a job because he really showed everything that you would think somebody in that position would be in. Lakeith absolutely murdered this role. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, man, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I've never said this before. Um, well, the second part of what I'm about to say. The first part is one of one of the greatest one of the greatest performances I seen was Heath Ledger playing the Joker, and I think a lot of that is because you know when you see ten things I hate about you, when you see mm-hmm. um uh, what was one not was it a Knight's Tale I think yeah Knight's like, Tale yep. Yeah, Night's Tale and Brokeback Mountain and all this stuff. And you like, mm-hmm. he was, what made it so great was he was so outside himself. 
Like th- yeah. that wasn't the Heath Ledger that we knew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And for Lakeith, I, I put this performance right up there. And, yeah. and it was yeah. so funny when when they were sitting at the table and he said, yo, I, I don't know if you really a Panther or do you deserve a you know Academy Award? Because he exactly. was he like he was so engulfed, but you gotta remember, like he said it, Fred is a great salesman. Mm-hmm. And Fred is so convincing that Bill had to like go through this in his head. It's like, yo, like, what am I really doing? But he realized at that table, at that table when he asked them for the blueprints yeah. for the apartment, he was like, yo, like, what for? Like, we done. You know, Fred going back to jail, you know, his bond, his thing was denied. Right. And he's like, yo, because what was what was another thing that was important was the the fact of when they called J. Edgar Hoover and it's like, yo, got great news. Fred, mm-hmm. you know, Stan got denied. He's going back to jail. He's like, Hubert P. Newton went to jail. He was like, mm-hmm. his profile went up. You know what I'm saying? Elder Cleaver went to jail. Yep. His profile went up. Like, we need something more permanent. So when they when he went back and he was like, you know, fast forward back to where he was talking to him, and he was like, Yo, I need the blueprint of these apartments. Well, his apartment, he was like, Before he's going back to jail. And he was like, That's when he threatened him with the, you know, with the time and all the little stuff, like, yo, we're not done. And like he hit the table. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He hit the table because he was like, yo, like, that was more frustration of like. Dude, I'm in so deep now, and like this, this isn't what I was told. Like now, it's not about the money anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like what I was, because I'm thinking what Bill was thinking was like, yo, the the main intention is to get Fred locked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then he got locked up for supposedly stealing seventy five dollars worth of ice cream. Worth of ice cream, man. Like two, yo, two to five, my guy. He got oh, two man. to five. Two like, to five. Is but see, this was this was the thing that was so crazy, man. Like just the fact that they went to those lengths, right? Like, like the fact that all of this shit was was basically a part of this big ass plan to basically just keep black people in the same conditions and in the same situations that we've always been in. Like, when you go back in history and you look at the, at the shit they, that just they've done, like, you know, the slaves get free. And then, you know, once the slaves get free, they do so well for themselves that, you know, they starting to build up their own communities and build up their own towns and build up their own neighborhoods to where they not even dependent on the rest of America, they basically working within themselves, right? No issues, they're not causing no trouble, no nothing. And then next thing you know, you got all of these laws, they call them the, the black codes or the, uh, they call them the black codes, where, you know, if you seen looking at a white woman, you going to jail. If you if you on one side of town, you ain't supposed to be, you going to jail. If you spit on the ground, you going to jail. And it's just like, God damn, like, since, you know, since these motherfuckers came to this country and basically fucked Britain to take this country over and make this shit America, like, we've always 
had a boot on our neck. We've always had, you know, the weight on our shoulders. And it's just like, you start to think like, God damn, bro, when is this shit going to end? You know, it's, it's never been a point in time to where we've, you know, we've been the aggressor. We've, we've had to retaliate a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? It's been, a, it's been multiple slave revolts. It's been a bunch of, you know, people fighting back. So that, it's not like it's not in us, but it's just like at the same time, it's never been a point to where we're the initial aggressor. We've always been the retaliator. So when you see it, like all the shit that, that goes from the black codes and then you see Jim Crow and then after Jim Crow, you see welfare. And then, you know, they putting them, they putting this in projects up north. So now you in, a, in across the Midwest and then you see welfare where the man can't stand. So they breaking up the black family and then they bring us to prison. And now that, you know, people's dads ain't in the houses. And then not only that, like, you know, saying they sons going to jail out that. Then, you know, they dropping guns down for the game. Then they bring in crack cocaine. It's just like, God damn, like what what do they know that we don't know? What are they, you know, saying? I look at it like, what are they so fearful of? Because it gets to the point to where it's just like, you know, when you think about it at its core, like, yo, we don't give a, we really don't even be thinking about them. We be still doing shit in our, even in, even in the oppression that we've in, we've created jazz, we've created ragtime, we've created hip hop, we've created uh, various inventions, the refrigerator, the stoplight. You know what I'm saying? A black man made Gerald Ford famous. Like, we've always been creative. We've always done this shit. So, like, what is it? And, and why is it so important for them to, to keep us down? Why is it so important for them to always target us? You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's, it's just so weird that it's just us that's always being targeted. If we get to a certain point of wealth, in the country, they let in immigrants and then cut us down by paying immigrants lesser than what they'll pay us, so now we losing jobs. It's just like, what the fuck, bro? Yo, it's, it's a lot of it is, like, when J- it goes back to when J. Hegel Hoover was talking to Agent Mitchell. Yeah. Like, what you gonna do when your daughter bring a nigger home? Like, the thing yeah. is, I'm, <laughs> I'm contributing to part of the problem. The yeah. problem is, yeah. they don't want to see the elimination of the majority of the white race. Right. They don't want mixing right. of the races. And they realize that somebody like Fred, you know what I'm saying, Chairman Fred, he was able to mix up the Black Panther Party. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They wasn't doing this in the LA chapter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This was this was really started. The Rainbow Coalition was started in the Chicago chapter. Yeah. This is a, this is the reason why Fred was so dangerous. And like his his leadership skills, just even while he's getting arrested, yo, stay disciplined. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That, yo, that, when, that, that was powerful, bro. You know what I'm saying? When, 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 when Bill was talking to that girl, you know what I'm saying? Told him to drop and give him 20. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like just the discipline and what they had and just the things that he thought of just right off the rip. It, it, he was just the embodiment in, of what Fred was and what made him so dangerous was the fact of the Rainbow Coalition, like this whole yeah. mixing of the race of people getting yeah. together. And like he said, and I'm going to mention it again, when he, t- when he told those, those, uh, those white people, he was like, yo, just imagine that the sharecroppers and the slave banded together against them. I, I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the mixing of the races, right? 
I think that's what they use as the, the ploy for, you know, the the lesser than. I think that is the same thing that you talked about, you know, saying earlier when you said that, you know, they got poor whites fighting for the rich whites. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the fact that, you know, the, the rich are a minority. You know what I'm saying? that The haves are the minority. The have-nots are the majority. So when you bring all them together, because I thought that was super dope that they showed that in the movie too. The fact that he didn't just go to the, the black gangs. He didn't just go to the rest of the black groups. He went to the Puerto Ricans. He went to the whites. He went to everybody that was, the, or, or the poor whites at the time. Like he, he went to everybody that was disenfranchised. He went to everybody that was, um, as he said, the proletariat. I thought that was dope too. And he would, that he used that in his chant as well. And he said, I am the revolutionary. I am the proletariat. Like when he says that, like you have to realize, like I think that's what they looked at, right? I think that's why he was such a threat. Cause to be able to bring all of these people together when they using all of this divisiveness to break us up. Cause we also gotta remember that Chicago is one of the most segregated places in America. You know what I'm saying? Like always has been. So when he's bringing all these people together and they see him in these rallies and in these in these groups and you know and, and it's all kind of people in there it's not just black people it's like oh shit like okay they might be coming for what we got you know what i'm saying they might be they might be realizing that all of this shit is a fucking ploy and they're coming to take us over and the True. crazy part of and the crazy part about it is that they wouldn't even have to do all that if they would make it to the point to where we all can get what we need to get. Yeah, and I think that they also didn't realize that Fred literally was like, yo, my life is on the line. Like he said, I ain't going to die in no car wreck. He mm-hmm. said, I ain't going to die for no bad heart. He was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to die for the people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, he was so dedicated, man. And like, and that was another scene that, because the thing is like, I, Watching this, I was so invested, dude. I, 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 it was an emotional roller coaster because that speech had me so hyped. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Definitely, definitely. But then, but then when he said that, when he was like, "I'm gonna die for the people," and then they went to his girl mm-hmm. and the look on her face, yo, Dominique Fishback, yo, she did she, a phenomenal oh job in this, gosh. yo. Oh, and when, God. dude, when they panned to her. Dude, like my, it, like I dropped like ten yeah. millimeters. It was just like yeah. because like she was just like yo, like I got our son, I got our seed yeah. right here. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to raise him without you. You know but what the, I'm saying? The crazy part is though. Remember, remember the scene where um she walked in and she was talking to him and she was like, yo, you you saying that because you don't got another life inside of you? And yeah. he was like. And and it was so I don't, I don't want to say it was cold, but I felt him like I, I felt him through and through when he said it. He was like, "Yo," he said, "I said I was gonna die for the people." He said, "I, I didn't make that promise, and I wasn't gonna keep it." I'm like, "Yo, that's man. Listen, if that didn't make you want to get up and and make some change, bro, like God damn, that's and then, deep, and, man. And then it it that was very deep. And another part that was very deep was when everybody's like, yo, you know, you could go down to um, you know, where Elder Cleaver is, you can continue yeah. to work, you could just run. Everybody's thinking of all these plans. Fred could do this, y'all could do this. 
this one guy can get y'all passports and no, no, no. He's sitting there with this money that he got from the crown. He's like, y'all sitting here talking about all this stuff that I'm going to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, this part, he was like, the advancement is, it's, it's, it's not about me. It's not about Fred. It's about mm-hmm. the people. And he was like, it's only a five-year bid. Think about yeah. what we could do with this money. How many people we could save in five years. And he gave that money up to that dude and was like, I want you to run it and name it after that one kid that had got killed. And yeah. it's just like Jim. that right there just shows you he's selfless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This dude is 21 years old and he's all about the people. You know what I'm saying? And like we don't have people like that. And that's what made him so special. And there was another scene that was, I, I think that people just, I, I think that that right there, like if I had to say, if I had to pick a scene to say this is who he is, it was that moment. It was that moment. It's bigger than me. It's yeah, about the people. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I will go to jail, you know what I'm saying, for five years. Yeah. Because, you know, like he was telling her, like, you know, by the time I be getting out, he'll be five, no, 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 all this type stuff. So like it, it wasn't it wasn't the most terrible idea, but you also gotta think about it. Bill was hit with six and a half. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to take down a black messiah just to save six and a half years of his life. Fred yeah. was willing to give up five years. He got the money to run. Yeah. He was like, nah, I'm gonna go serve that bid like a man. For for some false charges, stealing yeah. ice cream. That's crazy. He gonna go to jail for five yeah. years for stealing supposedly seventy five dollars worth of ice cream. And this man is boosting cars and impersonating the FBI agent. That just tells yeah. you like how different of people that they were. Yeah. And we don't have many people like Fred. And I thought that that was so. I thought that that scene was so dope, but then, like, also at the same time, it's like what also went along with that scene. Like I said, this movie was an emotional roller coaster because, mm-hmm. you know, when when he left Little Rail, and you know, and he he went up to Chairman, and he was like, I mean, this dude is literally crying. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like literally crying, and and I, I think that the the reason why he didn't interpret it of of any ill will was because it was some other emotions from other people because they didn't want to see him go. They didn't want to see him get locked up. Mm-hmm. And I think that he just felt that that Bill was emotional because right. he didn't want he him to go. Was, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. really because Bill was like, yo, like, I really don't want to do this. That, and that's but, what I'm saying. Like, just that that's another, that's another perfect example just of that internal struggle, like he knows that this is something that he has to do or else he's going to jail. But at the same time, it's like, fam, I do not want to kill this man. Like, I don't want this man blood on my hands, bro. Like, just knowing everything. Because even, remember, it was a point in time, like, it was a, it was one of the scenes in the movie where they had, they uh burned down the headquarters and Bill basically took over. He basically stepped up to rebuild, you know what I'm saying, the headquarters. Mm-hmm. You know what yep. I'm saying? So, like, you can tell, like, not only was, not only was he getting invested as an informant, he really started just personally getting invested in the, in the, in the movement. Like, even remember when the crowns walked in, he stepped up and he like, 
yo, what y'all doing here? He like, man, we just seeing if y'all need more bodies. And I was like, yo, that that just that just showed you how powerful Fred Hampton was. Just the fact that he showed them a moment of solidarity, and you know they they came back and showed that same you know so they showed that same love, showed that same energy. Um. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, you're still going. My fault. Oh no, no, yeah, you all good, you all good. But like, you know, just to to do that, and and I told you. Even though you knew what was going to happen, because like, 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 you know, obviously, you know, I, I've done some research on Fred, and when when they when they busted when they busted into the apartment, and just just to visualize, like, because you can visualize it. Like, I remember I watched this one documentary on Fred, and they showed the what do you call it? Like the, the like the blueprint of like yeah. Of like it, it was like a, a demonstration, mm-hmm. and it showed like a room with all of those shots and like you know how they went at a you know at a certain angle, all this type. So the demonstration is showing ninety nine shots going into the bedroom, and luckily, I mean by the grace of God, like you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, Deborah Johnson did not get hit. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was by the grace of God she didn't get hit, and and I, and I told you this like. Last week, I said, if they show this scene, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to take it. And yeah. the way that they did it by just to have it on her face the whole time. Oh, man. And, and, and to say, like, oh, look like that he's shit done. My, that shit made my stomach queasy, bro. Dude, but they, they, oh, man, they put bro. those, they put those two in them, boy. It was just like. And even though I knew what was gonna happen, like I said, what was gonna yeah. happen because I, yeah. I, 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 I heard it, I, I read about it, and it's just mm-hmm. like to see it though, like to really like, and for the like the filmography that they did, like that was just a brilliant idea to keep it on her, right. and she kept that stone look on her face, mm-hmm. and it it was just like, oh my god, yo, and it is. And then, like, like I say, the emotions that you have, and then they go straight to Agent Mitchell, and he's giving Bill O'Neill, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the FBI is so fucking shady, dude. Like, the government in general, they give bro. they give him, I don't know, two hundred five, I don't know, couple hundred dollars and some keys to a fucking gas station, and made him a business owner, and it's just like, yo. You go from that scene to this scene. Not that they did it wrong, but it's just that like your emotions just go all over the place with this film. And like I think that at the end of the day, the message of Fred and what he stood for, I think that it was portrayed even though this was you know, they did make Bill like the main focus, but it also shows it also shows us the the links that the government would do to if they if they got if they got they, they target on you, the links that they would take to take you out, it shows it. And it shows you why this 
it shows you why because at the time that was the longest settlement it was 12 years they they sued the FBI and the um Chicago PD for four, 47 for 47.7 million dollars and they settled for like 1.8 yeah, and that shit stretched for twelve years, and it said it at the time it was the longest um, drawn out settlement. I think the next, I think the longest is uh with Dupont, I believe. Uh, me and Uncle Washington did a, a podcast on that. It was a movie yeah. they did called Dark Water, and like the um, what it was, it was about um, the Dupont company was uh, dumping chemicals into the river, and yeah. like. They drawn out their um they settlement as well because people in West Virginia was getting sick from yeah. the, uh, from the water and the reason they drawn that out was because they was like well <laughs> a lot of these people are gonna die out before we even pay them out so yeah. they just I think that might be the longest I could be wrong but I believe that is but like when when you I'm hoping what this film did for for people was for and I hope people do their research because they might think oh well this is just a movie this 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 didn't happen. Right. No, mm-hmm. like it's well documented that she said that when Fred was laying there, they said that and then they shot him twice. And it's yeah. just like when you really look at what he, he did. Was, like, he was shot in the shoulder. He yeah, got, he got hit in the shoulder, yeah. And that's why they said that. But even also also the other people in the room, they end up just throwing bogus charges on them mm-hmm. for just basically being there. Yep. So it, the man, it's it's sad to see, and like I get Uncle Washington's frustration with people, you know, his age that have no idea who this guy is. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and and like I told him, I was like, dude, like <laughs> I grew up with one. My dad mm-hmm. don't know who this man is. Like I asked him to watch it, and he's like, "Nah." He, I mean, he's like in a slightest bit interested, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's it's disappointing. Like it's disappointing, and and I, and me, I take shit so personal. Like I feel that way, like about Iverson and shit. Like I get mad when motherfuckers be, like be talking about basketball now, bring yeah. up Iverson. It's like, man, what the fuck wrong with y'all, man? That man, that, yeah. that dude was a real deal. And it's yeah. like it's like I'm like that with Fred, but Fred is real life. Obviously, it's just right. basketball. You know what I'm saying? That's just right. sports. But like we're talking real life, and it's like I, I think that this was I think that this was enough for people to really change their interpretation of the Black Panthers. Now, even even when it comes to the shootout that they had before they blew up the headquarters, mm-hmm. like they just saw somebody on the roof. They fired the yeah. first shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The Panthers didn't. They never started the gunfight with the police except. They, even, but remember, remember, they didn't start none of it at all. They was just in the headquarters, these niggas outside drinking and, and using the the, uh, the megaphone to talk crazy to them. They talking about yeah. come out. You know what I'm saying? Are we going to come in there? Like, they was threatening them from the get-go. Yeah. They was in there minding their own business. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all come up here fucking with us. Mm-hmm. And we gonna and we gonna do the same shit that y'all do. Y'all defend y'all territory. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Y'all don't want nobody to just run up in y'all business. Y'all yeah. defend y'all business. So we're doing the same right fucking to. thing. They exactly. Had every they had, right to. 
They had every right to. But yeah. I did thought I did think it was funny when when uh when Bill tried to leave, like, yo, I'm gonna go cover the roof. And then he tried to go yeah, downstairs, my man was down there. He was like, fuck. Like, yeah, I can't walk out this that bitch. was crazy, man. Um another another scene that I thought was um that I thought they they hit the nail on the head on was um I forgot the dude's name, but he was going, he was he was the one that was going to try to see Jimmy. When Jimmy was in uh, in the hospital, mm-hmm. and remember when he walked up the stairs, the the janitor was like, "Man, you know what I'm saying? What you got? You 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 know what I'm saying? You got an STD, man? What you doing? What the hell are you doing in here?" And he was like, "No, nah, man, I'm just you know coming to see how Jimmy doing." He's like, "Oh, okay, man, cool." You know he, but then, you know he went to go visit him at the house. You mm-hmm. know, he found out Jimmy died, and he wanted to know. You know what I'm saying? He was trying to find out like, "Yo, what happened?" Basically, they killed him, you know what I'm saying? And then um, when he was sitting there, he was like, yo, man, you know, uh, I just want to know what happened to Jimmy. He's like, man, you know, go on, man. I don't want them people on my neck. You know, I don't want them people bothering me, man. I, ain't, I don't know nothing. I ain't going to tell you nothing. I'm not about to lose my job for you. He was like, man, I ain't trying to get you to lose a job. He was like, I just basically want to know what's going on. Brother, can you tell me? And that motherfucker said, man, I'm not your brother. Get the hell off my porch. And when he pushed him, he dropped the gun. The first thing this motherfucker do is run in the house and call the police, bro. That shit broke my heart. I was like, yo, it's really, it's really people out in the world like this, bro. Yeah. Like it's really, it's really people that's that weak in spirit that they will do basically anything. To not be a part, to not stand for anything, like it's it's just so crazy just to to see that, like, and then it was so crazy because this is a younger dude that's asking for help, and it's somebody from the older generation, and it's like, yo, like if anybody know how these how, how I'm supposed to feel, it's supposed to be you, you know, what I'm saying you done already been through this, so to me, I think that scene was just a um, a, you know, what I'm saying just a reenactment of. You know what I'm saying? Like what we've all been through in our youth, like when, you know, when we really needed somebody to be there, when we really needed that guidance, just how much the next generation really wasn't there for us. Dude, like, dude, I don't know if you remember this. And the only reason I laugh because, like, Uncle Washington has a way of saying things. Mm-hmm. Like, just the way that he says, sometimes it can be funny. So yeah. he was saying that his stepdad, I think he said his stepdad, no, his uncle, he had an uncle. Through marriage. And he said that, you know, he was a business owner or whatnot. And he said when a white man would call him, even though he ain't there, he said he would stand up and take his hat off. And it's See, like that's what, yeah, that's, that's what type of dude, that's what type of dude he was. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that guy. It's 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 just crazy just how like just how mentally broken down and, and I don't I don't want to come off as disrespectful. Like let me let me say that first and foremost. I don't want to come off disrespectful because um you know we don't we don't necessarily know what people have been through. We don't necessarily know what people go through, right? So you know it could have been something that was traumatizing to them that they just don't want to be a part of. So let me say that first and foremost. Um but at the same time it's like it come a point in time in your life where you just got to be a man about something. You know what I'm saying? Where you really have to just really take a stand. And it's like, to see that, bro, like, that's just like, 
I've even been in situations like that where I was I was put on the spot on some shit and it was like it didn't even it wasn't even that way, but just the fact that I'm looking at somebody that looks just like me, somebody that's that been been in my shoes and everything, he ain't even there to help me. Like he ain't even taking a stand for me. He ain't even stepping up for me. And then it's just like you just look at that motherfucker like, yo, like, bro, you just really gonna let this motherfucker just like do me like that? And it's just like the fact that he, you know, the fact that the first thing he did was call him and he like, yo, he got a gun. He got a really big gun. Bro, you know what they going to do to him. You know what they, you just said that you don't want them fucking with you like that. So the fact that you even just like put that man life on the line like that. It was just like, man, that shit just, man, like, you right, bro. This movie was a roller culture of emotions, bro. Like, even now thinking about that shit, I'm getting mad. Like, just I, I was I was angry, bro. I was sad. I was happy. Um, man, I I got queasy. You know what I'm saying? I had a I had so many moments of joy. I had so many moments just being pumped up. Like it, I mean, this really was just like it was it was everything, bro. Like you you go through so many emotions in this movie, bro. It's, it's crazy. It's really crazy, man. And then, like, how... And you understand how they came up with this whole little... How they try to compare the KKK to the Black Panthers. Like, the FBI agent told him, you know, the 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 KKK... Well, he tried to say that when, when they burnt the dude you know what I'm saying? But they burnt this dick or whatever with, you know, balls mm-hmm. in the water and, and threw him in the um, river or whatnot. He was like, see, look what I tell you. Just like the KKK, right? And I was like, no. Like, even, even if you want to take a situation, the KKK did it because of your skin color. They did it because they thought that you was a snitch. Still ain't the same thing. Because they're yeah. not doing it. They're, they're not doing it they're doing it for morals. They're not then, doing it for, for no, racism. No, they wouldn't, they didn't even, it wasn't even that. Had dude not been a fucking informant, they would have never did it. Exactly. Remember, he was, he was the one who did the shit. Yeah, he placed it on somebody so the heat would come off of him. And he the so one who did like, everything that they said. And and he's even a worse dude than Bill O'Neill in a way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like this dude, yeah. this dude, yeah, you know I'm saying, killed an innocent person for no reason. And then he's going around on a tour, going to different headquarters so that they could get a warrant to say that they that they are harboring the fugitive. And so he's destroying the Black Panthers all throughout the country. You know what I'm saying? Like Bill O'Neill took down the Chicago chapter. Mm-hmm. This dude is going around taking out all the fucking chapters right. because he is wanted for murder and that gives them probable cause to go into your chapter and destroy it and blow it up. So it yeah. was just like like the significance of this film, I think that now this is the sad part about it. Look how emotionally attached me and you were. There are yeah. gonna be people who watched it that are gonna be like, oh you know whatever. You know, it was all right. Like I watched mm-hmm. it, I watched it with my I watched it with my old lady. Like she was just like, I don't see why everybody said that this was a must see. And I was like, see, you don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, 
it's 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 different for you because you're you're looking at it because people told you that it was must see, and when you think of must see, you think of being entertained. Mm -hmm. To me, this wasn't something to entertain me. This was something mm -hmm. to educate me, even though it was a movie. Yeah. But it's it's about fictional things. It's about stuff that's really happened. These are fictional people. Right. And yeah. and like I always say, like, man, people can go back. Look, y'all can go, like I said, you can go all the way back to episode four back in 2017. I've been mm -hmm. I've been on this dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. it's it's like because like I just seen like how significant he was, and it sucks because the Keith did such a great job. Like oh it, it makes it makes you you know they're just like how when we was talking about uh when we were talking about Reese last week we was like man yeah. you we hated that bitch for a minute yeah and it's just like you hated Lakeith for a minute because it's like yeah. he was so convincing like he was so convincing. And it it just like, but the how, but I had to set my pride aside and was like, yo, like this, I don't even want to call it an Oscar performance because the Oscars bullshit. Like they, yeah, they, was, they was, fucking. Bull it was. I, I would say that it was a. Uh, it was definitely one of the best performances of this generation. Definitely, and I'm a, and not only that, like I think this was one of the best performances on film. Like it definitely deserved to be up there as as one of the best performances ever to be on film. Because like when when I see, and and this ain't just Lakeith, this is Daniel Kaluuya too. Like just his embodiment of Fred Hampton alone. Like these two, they they set this movie apart from a lot of different movies. Like I don't think this movie would be will have the impact that it has without these two. Because you don't have, like, the thing about this is you don't have, like, these grandiose stars, right? Like, you don't have Denzel in this. You don't have uh, Michael B. Jordan in this. Like, you don't have huge names. And don't get me wrong, like, they're not, they not, like, Z-list actors. But at the same time, like, usually when you see Daniel Kaluuya, you know what I'm saying? Like, he got his, he got his, his, his break in, um, and get, get out. out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He he did a hell of a job in Get Out. But, you know, the next time we see him is in Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? Um, Lakeith Stanfield, you know, he did a great job in the, um, I think it was called Sorry to Bother You. He did a great job in that. But he also did a great job on Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, was, he was great in Atlanta. And for him to... For him to take on this role and really like, really just be the, I don't know, the other side of the, I guess I say the other side of the coin in this movie and really just like take this movie to the next level because it's like, you forget that all of this shit happened in the fucking 60s. You know what I'm saying? Like when we hear about this type of shit, we thinking that, you know, because it's called history that we thinking that it's some shit that happened so long ago. It's not that long ago. You know what I'm saying? This is only, what, 60 yep. years ago? Yep. You know what I'm saying? A little bit less than that. Like, shit. Uh, he died in, what, 69? 69, December 4th. Yeah. My mom was... Let me see. I'm trying to think. My mom was born in 68. You know what I'm saying? My mom was, yeah. my mom was literally born the uh, a year before Fred Hedden died. 
So it's like the two days after her birthday, no, you know, say no less. Two days after her birthday, Fred Hampton dies. I'm sorry, two days, a year and two days after her birthday, Fred Hampton dies. So it's like you, you know, what I'm saying like once you put that into perspective, bro, you really see like a lot of these stories that we see are not that far away from us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we really aren't that far removed from a lot of this stuff that we're seeing on film, a lot of these um, historic events that we're learning about. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just a lot of the stuff that we just not finding out about, even though, you know, this is something that should be taught to us way, way back, you know, so when we was in school, you know, now that we have the, you know, the ability to go and learn these things ourselves, you know what I'm saying, as adults, and you know what I'm saying, just, it's just like, you know, I, I think it's it's important that we have these type of movies. I thought it was dope, like you said, that, you know what I'm saying, you said that you was going to sit your son down and have him watch it with you. You know what I'm saying? I thought about the same thing. I had to watch it first, you know what I'm saying, to make sure it was, you know, he would be able to keep up, but it's like, this is one of those movies I'm going to show my kids. I'm also going to show my kids movies like Malcolm X. I'm also going to, you know what I'm saying, it, it, it's, it's just, I think it's Every set of movies that, you know, black fathers and, and black parents and black mothers should be sharing with their kids so they can see, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like this type of this type of history needs to be taught at home so it can be taught the correct way and not at school where it's going to be, uh, where it's going to be, you know, saying whitewashed, like how they doing in Texas, saying that the slaves came over here to work for free, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, like. You really starting to see how <laughs> you really starting to just see just how fucked up this government is, bro. Like just how how corrupt this shit is. Like this shit is is crazy. Like I, I always hear there's two quotes I want to say, and I'll give it back to you. Like um, I always hear uh, Zoe Williams say this because I, I I listen to Zoe Williams um, on YouTube, and I always hear him quote Krishna Murthy. Right, he says that there's no measure of health to um to basically there's no i think he said it's no measure of health to um live inside a sick society and then the other quote is from um oh what is his name uh uh baldwin he said that to be black in america is to constantly um we say to be to be black in America, I think I be, it's not verbatim, so y'all can go look it up yourselves. But he said to be black in America is constantly to be mad and insane. And I feel like just seeing this movie, not only is do those two ring true, but it's so crazy because it's like, bro, we still not even far from what was going on in the '60s. The fact that the police are still doing the same thing they, you know, saying that they're doing, then they're doing now. And it's like, you start to just think about it like, yo, like, what, what, what is it going to take for us to really put this shit to an end? What are we really going to have to do to, to end all this shit and really get on the same level as everybody else? And I think that, you know, so like a lot of people say shit like unity and, and, you know, coming together and all that. And it's like, you know how do how do you really defeat a giant? At the end of the day, you know we can all come together, but it ain't just coming together. It can't just be coming together because we've seen that already. And every time we see that, 
the, the unity and every time we see everybody come together, they pick one of us off. And now it's like everybody back to doing what everybody was doing beforehand. So it's like, you know, I think this movie is really going to have a lot of people question, you know, where do we go from here on out? True. And I, I, on the Stolen Time podcast, you know, when we, when we used to talk about Trump, right? And I would always mm-hmm. say, like, I never understood why people ride for somebody so hard that they never met, right? And, and I said I would never do that. I should rephrase my statement and say I only do that with one person and mm-hmm. for two reasons. Number one, I ride hard for him because, and I say the person that you never met, I can't meet him because he did. That's number one. But number two is the reason that I feel justified on riding for somebody that I never met is for this simple reason. Trump, the thing is, Trump, like these people that's not in that 1% of people, Yeah, he don't give a fuck about them. Right. Like he does not care. He and just knows. Neither do Joe Biden. Yeah. Like you know what I'm he knows that he can that he can feed y'all all of this bullshit information and y'all gonna fall for it. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I feel justified of riding for somebody like Fred is because we know he cared. And he yeah. said from the jump at the age of 21, I'm really, I'm willing and ready to die for my people. Mm-hmm. He knew it was bigger than himself. And that's why I feel justified of saying that I ride hard for this type of guy because, like, he was, like, my type of leader. And it's no disrespect to Martin. And it's no disrespect to Malcolm or Bobby or Huey. Like, it's no disrespect to any of these guys. It's just I just felt that the way that Fred did it, and I think that that was like the absolute main reason why they was like, yo, we got to get this dude the fuck out of here because he was able to get all of these people together. And even even when, when Fred was locked up, they said that the the uh, the funding was down, the mm-hmm. the membership where people joining, you know, they number the numbers was down. It's like Fred impacted the group so much while he was locked up. Like, he just had this aura around him, man. And I don't think that there was many people who had that aura. And I think that this film was able to portray that. And it also, for people who never heard of him, I think that they could look at the Bill O'Neill character and hopefully some people was able to get that what it, what I call it they get that you know that that emotional attachment to be like yo like what I would have done what Bill did you know yeah. what I'm saying because Fred was that important and I will say this before before I end it like the thing about it this this is what really makes it difficult what really makes it difficult is the fact of if Bill would have said no, obviously we understood by just seeing Collins that they had other people under. Mm-hmm. 
So what really makes it difficult is the fact of you like, you know what? I served that bid. But then you're going to look at it like, well, all they're going to do is get somebody else to do the same thing that you would have done. So, like, that's what makes it so fucking difficult because it's like, even (laughs) if you say, yo, I don't, but the thing is, is how you're going to be remembered. I think that's what really sets it apart because you could be like, all right, I'm going to go serve this time for this crime that I did. But what I do know is my name is not going to be attached to Fred Hampton forever in a negative light. But the thing is, in some people's eyes, it's not in a negative light. I think that that's what he meant when he said that, you know, how I will be remembered in history. I think that to the majority of the people, a lot of them felt that he was right for what he did. But I think that them actually showing us with the with the Hampton family being involved in this and, and, and former Black Panther members being involved in this, I think that people will look at it and be like, Fred didn't mean no harm. Like he was actually really out of all the people, like, because when it uh Uncle Washington said this the other day, and I'm pretty sure we're probably gonna talk about this on the twenty eighth, I mean not twenty eighth, but on the Stones on Podcast. <laughs> But he was like, Malcolm couldn't really recruit white people. Right. And he was like, and when it came to Dr. Martin Luther King, like, he was a pastor. You know what I'm saying? So it it was difficult to get some of those type of people. And then you had Stokely Carmichael. He was just too radical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Fred gives you like that mixture of like, I mean, he he was really like all of those guys like wrapped into one, but he just had this this different aura of like, yo, I know a way I could flip this. If I could get everybody all on the same page, the heights that we can reach is limitless. Yeah. Um, I, I I agree with you. You know what I'm saying, one hundred percent, man. I think that you know when you go back and you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when you look at what Huey and Bobby started, and you look at the impact that they had, not just in Chicago but just across the country. Um, it's it's amazing to see that when you can have people come together, not just protect them, but, you know, feeding the community, um, educating the community, you know, taking care of the community, like you said, with the free clinics. It just goes to show you, like, this This was a this was something that people really got behind. And even though we know that everybody didn't agree with it, we know that everybody wasn't with it to begin with. But just knowing that, you know, at the same time, like, when they were starting this, you know, like, we said Fred Hampton was 21. You know, Huey and Bobby was in college. They was taking, you know what I'm saying, they was literally college students starting this movement. So it's not like these were older people. You know what I'm saying? These were people that are, you know, 
the youth of the time. And this was, I think the, the, I think last year's events really showed that if any of this shit is going to change where it has to start, right? It's always going to start with the youth. The youth was, you know, saying they was out there, they did everything they fucking had to do with the marches and the protests and everything else. But not only were they, you know, saying that, well, not only were they bringing the awareness, we had a few people in the, in an older generation that was really putting forth that effort along with the youth and really making shit happen. And so that's what I meant when I said, I don't know if unity is just going to be the thing that, that makes shit change. We need unity as well, but we also need that action. We also need that awareness. It's so much that has to come into this, and it's so much that every you know, so everybody don't got to be on the same page. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm tired of hearing people talking about we got to get on the same page. We don't have to be on the same page. If I'm on page one and page one is talking about awareness, and you on page five and page five is talking about action, and I come with the awareness, you come with the action. You know what I'm saying? Something is going to get done. I think that all of these men that we spoke about, we spoke about Malcolm X, Martin. Um, we spoke about, you know, Huey, Bobby, Stokely Carmichael. Some might know him as Kwame Torre. Um, we speak about Fred Hampton. You know what I'm saying? We spoke about so many people. It's just like, if, if this movie don't show you anything, bro, this movie should show you that when you are for the people and you really, you know what I'm saying, put your heart into it and you really get out there and you really care about people, you really show people that you got love for them, all of that is going to be reciprocated. You know what I'm saying? All of that is going to be given back. And even when, you know, even when, you know, you lose life, you don't necessarily lose life. You feel what I'm saying? His name is going to be mentioned forever. His name is going to be mentioned with the gods. This is some. This is somebody that we can always go back and know about. This is somebody that's always going to be with us. You know, what I'm saying Fred Hampton's name is going to be along with Martin Luther King, along with Megra Evers, along with Malcolm X, along with you know Rosa Parks, along with Thurgood Marshalls, and everybody else's. Like his name is always going to live on. But but he's that's just a testament of the legacy that he left behind. You know what I'm saying? His son, Fred Hampton Jr., is is doing the same type of work. You know what I'm saying? The first time I ever heard, uh, heard of Fred Hampton Jr., which actually, this is the first time I ever heard of Fred Hampton, was um, Dave Chappelle's Black Party. Dave Chappelle brought him out during the Black Party. I had I went and bought the DVD, right? And um, come to find out, I'm watching the DVD. I see Central State, uh, the marching band was in the movie. So I'm already excited about that because, you know, that's that's Dayton, Ohio. So I'm like, yo, he went to go get Central State. And, you know, they marching up and down New York. And then um, I think he brought him out during the Dead Prayers. Um, I want to say it was the uh, Dead Prayers set or whatever. But Fred Hampton Jr. come out and they just, and you know what I'm saying? He just get to talking and it's like, who is this? Who is, I, I, I had to know, who is this? And, you know, he get to talk about Fred Hampton Jr. And then he started mentioning Fred Hampton. And that's when I found out who Fred Hampton was. But, you know what I'm saying? Like I told you, man, I feel like it's better late than never. You know what I'm saying? We 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 got to know these people regardless. I don't care when we get to know these people. We got to know these people. 
And, you know, it's I feel like it's up to people like us to educate people even when they don't know. You know what I'm saying? I think that what you did with that podcast was amazing. I think that what we're doing with this podcast is amazing. But the fact that, you know, you've spoken multiple times about this person who is, you know what I'm saying, the embodiment of what we want to be in life, right? you spoken multiple times about him. You literally said and did a whole podcast about this man. And now that's that's something that people can go and listen to and get educated on. Like, you know what I'm saying? People like you are out here really doing the work. People like you are actually putting forth the effort to educate everybody else. And I think that this is something that this movie is going to help do. You know what I'm saying? This is something that this movie is really going to help bring about. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, Unless you got something to say, let's move on to the Fire Flames, man. Nah, we can get to the Fire Flames. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Yoga Fire! Yoga Flame! All right, man, it's Fire Flame time. I'm going to let you go first, man. I'm going to let you do the honors on this one because, you know, this this all you, man. <sighs> man, it's, uh, it's so wild, man, because, like, for some odd reason, like, right now, like, I'm, like, fucking emotional, like, right now. Like, yeah. Weird. yeah. But, like, you know, like, once, once I got through the second watch and and I really think about the importance of this film and, like, and for it, I mean, it's great what HBO Max, Max is doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I still wish. I mean, you know, I think it kind of helps the film in a way yeah. um, with the pandemic because I, I don't know if people will uh, will voluntarily go out. Like, I think that people will, will voluntarily click on it more than they would to go out and pay for this film. Yeah. So I think that kind of helps it in a way. Um, I still think the dumb people won't get it. Um, mm. That sucks, but that's just a way of life. Um, but when I think about how it was shot, how actually, um, Ryan Coogler and his wife both, um, was executive producer. She even got involved in on this film. Oh, that was um, dope. Yeah. Um, you know, it's wild that. Somebody, I mean, it wouldn't have been done this way, but somebody stole my script because I've been talking about it. <laughs> like, like I said, man, I'm in, I'm in episode, man, we just did episode 200, dude. On episode four, dude, I talked yeah. about I talked about doing a damn uh, Fred Hampton movie. <clears throat> but to get to it, man, so I can, I'm, I'm blabbering right now. I'm just like, like nah, emotional you, you good, just thinking about yeah, this shit. I, I know, I know. But um, as far as the film, I, I think the actors did great. And and I, and I need to say it one more time, man. Dominique Fishback did a phenomenal job. Um, you know, I, I felt like we didn't mention her enough, you know, like yeah. when, when she sat down and how she told him that he needed to work on his speeches. And that, that was one of the reasons she felt that the one dude walked out because, you know, she was like, the way you word stuff sometimes, it could come off the wrong way. And so she asked, she actually had this great person second guessing what he was saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So that was the impact that she had on him. And to read that poem, you know, to him, and you said that, you know, it, it, it was kind of, it, it was cold, but it wasn't cold. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that just showed that Fred was like, yo, like, this is bigger than me. And unfortunately, it's not that it's, it's not that it's bigger than his son. I think that he knew what he was trying to do. It would potentially have a better life for his son. Right. So he right. was like literally looking down the road, like the actions of what I'm trying to do will actually be better for my son. For me trying to accomplish it than actually just being in his life. Exactly. So I think that being a selfless leader the way that he was was great. Um, you know, he almost had me, you know, screaming, I am a revolutionary. Oh, man, listen, I'm telling <laughs> you, boy. If it wasn't 11 o'clock at night and my kids wouldn't sleep. <laughs> Dude, it was, um, but um, for the impact of what this film was, for how phenomenal the people was. Um, I even got to give it the, uh, uh, what Jesse Plemons, the dude that yeah. played Roy Mitchell, he did yeah. a great job, you know, yeah. playing him because it, it, he kind of, the way they portrayed him, they portrayed him like he was kind of doing what he felt he had to do. Cause it seemed like right. he didn't really want to go to that extreme either. It seemed like yeah, because he because he seemed neutral throughout the movie. Yes, he, they, he seemed very never, neutral. They never had him portrayed as like a you know saying like like a, Hoover. Yeah, like an extremist or just like a pacifist. He was just more. He was more so in the middle. Like he was in a way, it kind of felt like he was just doing his job. Yeah, and like I don't think that he invited Bill to his house just to get him to trust him. I think he really bought right. Bill to his house because he kind of formed a little a little friendship with Bill. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I will say initially I was a little upset with the attention that was on Bill O'Neill. But once I watched it the second time, I get it. Mm -hmm. I have no complaints. Um, again, shout out to Dominique Fishback. I'm I'm gonna no surprise you can go ahead throw it up because you know yeah. what I'm gonna say, man. You can go ahead yeah, throw up five. I mean, you know I'm giving it the five, man. I gotta give I it five, know. man. I already know. Yes, man. sir, man. man listen, yes, sir. Man, listen, I'm just gonna keep the five up, man. I agree 100. Um, five for me too. I I, I want to say ten for real. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Um, what it was it was a marvelous performance from everybody in the movie. I I never felt like we were outside of the story the whole time I watched it. You know what I'm saying? I, I actually felt like I was inside of the story. I felt like I was there. The, like like you said, that emotional roller coaster. Like, I, I, I felt every which way. Like, I'm not going to lie, but I cried during this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really shed a tear during this movie. And I and it's, it's crazy because this movie gave me that same feeling that Black Panther gave me. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it just, even though I knew what this, even though I knew what the movie was about, and I knew that, you know what I'm saying, it wasn't one to necessarily be, you know what I'm saying, championed as this um as this movie to be proud of. I still was proud of it because this was to me, I felt like the first time that we really got a chance to really see one of our stories being told 
not just by, you know, say one of these major companies, but by people like us. You know, so I feel like Shaka King did a hell of a job. I feel like Ryan Coogler and his wife did a hell of a job. You know what I'm saying? The the way that they did, you know what I'm saying? The way Ryan Coogler did Black Panther, just how, you know what I'm saying, you felt that connection. Like, to me, in this movie, I felt the connection. I cried during Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just that sense of pride where you finally see something on screen, bro, and you just feel like this is not just a grab at black culture. This is not just a, 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 a throwaway movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is really something that is going to live throughout history. This is something that's going to go throughout history where, you know what I'm saying, my kids can show their kids, like, yo, you know what I'm saying, I want to sit y'all down and I want to show y'all this movie about this person who you know, was was really out here for us. Like, to me, the title, the title could never be anything else. It literally could never be anything else. The The title of Judas and the Black Messiah was brilliant because it, it, it embodied that movie 100%. It gave that movie its flair. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, I feel like if they would have named this the assassination of, of Fred Hampton, then we wouldn't have the same movie. You know, saying it wouldn't feel the same way when you, you know, when you name it something like Judas and the Black Messiah, you, you, you know who Judas is, you know what the Messiah is. So when you see the, the, you know, saying the, when you see what Bill O'Neill does, right, you kind of understand, like, yeah, that's that's exactly what that was because this is somebody who, you know, this is somebody who was putting his life on the line, who did put his life on the line just to make sure that, you know, people like me and you and, and people like us can, you know, that we don't have to deal with the bullshit that, you know, saying that they had to go through. And, you know, you know, like, that the government really put forth tax dollars and put forth time and effort to take them out. It's just like, you know, you, you feel... You feel you start to feel that hatred. You start to feel that anger. You know you start to feel all those emotions, and it's like, yo, like, this, you know, what I'm saying, like, in a sense, like, you start to look at it, like, man, ain't no way this shit really happened, bro. Like, the fucking government conspired to kill off Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, to kill off Megar Evers, to kill off Fred Hampton. You know what I'm saying, like, you know. This is just shit like, God damn, you, when you sit back and think about it, bro, it really break you down. But, you know what I'm saying, this movie was fulfilling for me, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this was a, this was the, the perfect masterpiece. And, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm, I, I, I'm. It got five on the screen, but I'm saying ten. I don't give a fuck. I'm saying ten. <laughs> I, I gotta say hey, ten. Hey. And not to mention, bro, the soundtrack is magnificent. Dude, you, dude, you beat me oh to it, man. God. I was just about oh to say that. God. I was about that's to say two. Oh my goodness, that soundtrack is crazy. Dude, I was about to say two things, and now I, one of them was the soundtrack. I was gonna say, man, we got to shout out the Lady of Rage. Um, mm-hmm. And also, uh, if you wasn't looking, you might not. You might have missed him. Rampage Jackson was extra. You know what I'm saying he was standing in the crowd when. Uh, uh, I miss. I, I think when, I did see him. 
when um when Fred was doing a speech and he handed it to the Latin dude and then the white dude yeah. got it. When they when they panned to the crowd, they showed Rampage Jackson. He was just out there oh, in the crowd. So I gotta shout go out back to watch now to see him, man. That's what's up. Yeah, but hey, that soundtrack, yo. I mean, obviously, man, the Nip Jay Z song is fucking amazing. And the fact that Jay Z, that is wild. December the fourth. 1969, yo. Man, what? This dude was born on the exact day that Fred Hampton was assassinated. When he when he comes in with his verse, when I tell you, I literally played. I didn't even play the whole song. I just played Ho's verse all day, just listening to what he was saying. And when I tell you, bro, like he couldn't have been on a better song with anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like Nipsey is Nipsey is definitely in this in that in that 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 hierarchy of names. Like somebody who literally was at you know what I'm saying was at a a a low and and rose up through the ranks to really become somebody who like like it said on his tattoo prolific. Like, that's the word that will always describe Nipsey for me, man. It's prolific. Like, just the fact that they had him on this soundtrack, that just lets you know just how perfect all this shit. That's, that's what I'm telling you, bro. This this was a, really a masterpiece. The fact that all of this came together like it did, bro. Like, they had, um, let me see, let me see. Um, Yo, shout out. Why you looking? Shout out to her. Uh, yeah. Fight for you. That song's gonna end up. That that might that might get a not a Grammy, but that shit might get an Oscar. Her killed that song. You know, shot Nas, Black Thought. You know what I'm saying? They got Rakim on this piece. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm all right. So you getting it? Yeah, you got it down to me, cool. Because I'm I'm trying to hit, I'm trying to find a list of people who was on there. Man, Sir, um, mm-hmm. ASAP Rocky, um, G Herbo. Uh, Dom Kennedy, like some of these people, like Dom Kennedy, G Herbal, I really, I really didn't, you know, I don't really listen to them like that. You know, Polo G, you know, what I'm saying out of all these people, they got Lil Durk on here. I really only, you know, when it comes to Nip, Jay Z, Black Thought, Nas, Her, you know, Rakim, ASAP Rocky, Sir, those were the people that Fred, I like. Fred Hampton Jr., Black Thought, one of my favorite rappers. Um, Hit Boy on here, Saba on here, Smino on here, um, Masego on here, JID, shout out to him, BJ the Chicago Kid, shout out to him, Lil Dirk, shout out to him, um, G Herbo, I think you already said him, uh, Pooh Seisty on here, um, Dom Kennedy, I think you said him too, I'm trying to see, um, yeah, man, this, listen, they, wow. Wow. This is... Yes, sir. Man, listen. First and foremost, let me say thank you. I appreciate you, bro, because when you put me on to something, bro, you put me on to something. We, when you <laughs> brought this up, you brought this up in the middle of last year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you brought this up in the middle of last year. Like, when I say, 
when I say I remember, I forgot what episode we was doing, but you was like, man, hey, I got something to tell you, boy. It's like, hey, <laughs> I heard they do the Fred Hampton movie, boy. You know I got to be. I'm like, man, listen, I said, as soon as it come out, we got to get on it, bro. And you know what I'm saying? I'm so, I'm so happy that you said that, man. I'm so happy that, you know what I'm saying, this movie was what it was. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not been able to see this movie or if you have not seen this movie yet, whatever the case may be, man, please do your best to get out here and support this movie. Do your best to go watch this movie and get some sort of education from this movie. Um, whether you like it or not, regardless, just go see it, go support it. Um, you know what I'm saying? We got to stand behind our black creators. Shout out to Shaka King. Shout out to Ryan Coogler. Shout out to Daniel Kluwer, Lakeith Stanfield, Dominique Fishback, um, Lil Rail. Um, I'm trying to think who else was in it. Um, let me go back. Um, Martin Sheen, man. We got to shout out Martin Sheen. Even though he was Who's fucking Jag Hoover? I know. I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say it, man. But yeah, man, shout out to Martin Sheen. That's hometown, man. Um, li- listen, you speak. You talking about somebody who, somebody who did a hell of a job in their role. He made me fucking. If I didn't already hate Jay Edgar Hoover, I really hate him now. Cause Martin yeah. Sheen, man, that. He put no. every ounce of hate in that goddamn role. Dude, man. you must have never seen Jay Edgar when uh no, when me no, and DiCaprio played him. I I know I haven't, but the reason why I have it is because I've heard so many so many people talk about this movie and it's just like I I don't wanna I, I didn't wanna go into it with everybody's opinions. I wanted to wait. Until that was, you know, so like I want to go into it with a clean slate. And that's that's okay. usually what I try to do with movies. Like my thing is, I don't I don't ever want to go into movies where, you know, like if somebody like unless it's something like this to where I know, you know, so like I know the story and everything else. Like I definitely want to see this. I don't give a fuck what nobody say about it. I don't care if people didn't like it or whatever. I was gonna watch it regardless. You know what I'm saying? But it's certain movies I'm gonna go see regardless of what anybody says. But with movies like Hoover, because I know that, you know, it's a biopic, and then there's certain stuff that's talked about, it's certain stuff that's not talked about, so it's like, I want to go in there on a clean slate, you know what I'm saying, I want to go in unbiased, I, w- I really want the movie to determine how good or bad it was for me, so with stuff like that, like, I just, I kind of, you know, just wait. You, you know, the, the wild part was, they actually really focused, like, they really show like the bad side of Jay Edgar, but even the side that like a lot of people didn't know because he was an undercover gay dude. Like, yeah, yeah. They they portrayed that a lot in that film. Yeah, like they showed his private life with this boyfriend that that was because I think he was more like out and like Jay was like, nah, you gonna not tell nobody about us, you know, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff, but. I already had a bad interpretation of it anyway. And well, and yeah, I mentioned this before. Just a pro, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mentioned this before and we're in the pod, man, because I'm just rambling. But like it's it's like you said, it's never too late. And I'm I was upset with myself because I didn't find out who Fred Hampton was until I was like twenty three or twenty four years old. Right. And how I found out about him was watching 
a fucking American gangster episode on J. Edgar Hoover. That's the first time I ever heard of Fred Hampton, and that's the first time I ever heard of Marcus Garvey. And yeah. that's sad that I found out through, you know what I'm saying, a series that was, you know, pointing out, like, former drug dealers or former robbers, and, like, they, and they really mm-hmm. put in, like, out of all those people, out of the Chamber Brothers, you know, Jeff Fort and the Black Tone Rangers, Tookie Williams, you know what I'm saying, Larry Hoover, you know, Ricky Ross, you can go, uh, Nicky Bond, you can go down the line. The biggest fucking gangster was J. Edgar Hoover. Out of all of those dudes, none of them was more gangster than J. Edgar Hoover was. And that was perfect for them to fucking do that. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, that's really just an indictment on, you know what I'm saying, the school systems, man. That's really an indictment on our educational system. The fact that you know, they do so much to keep, you know, certain parts of history away from us. And I don't want to just say black history because it's not just black history. It's way more than that. But, you know, they, they really do their best to indoctrinate us with whatever they want to indoctrinate us with. And, you know, I, I think that that definitely needs to change very soon. But, um, man, this was... Uh, Yo, I, I'm so glad we, you know, so I'm so I'm so glad we did this, man. Um, but for everybody that's listening, man, thank you guys for listening. Like I said, man, make sure you go out and go see this movie. Make sure you go support this movie, regardless. Um, oh, oh, oh need, one thing, one thing. Up there. What's up? Yes, sir. And I found this out the other day. HBO Max are only keeping these these movies that come out in theater the same day mm-hmm. for thirty days. So okay. March March the twelfth is gonna be gone for a while until it, you know, be re released to come like out on DVD and shit like that. Yeah, so, so let y'all so got, that, let y'all know we got thirty days. Y'all come on, man. Yeah. We can make this happen. You know, so yes, we can definitely make this happen. Make sure y'all spread the news. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this, whatever, make sure you spread the news, man. I don't care if you gotta watch it every day of the week. Make sure we you know what I'm saying, make sure we doing our part, man. And um getting this movie up there because this this deserves all the you know so all the attention man this is one of those movies that we need to do some success in we need more movies like this but um who uh next week man oh next week <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> god damn boy listen this man um this friday this coming friday um our next episode is going to be uh, it's going to be a good one. Um, we're doing a, a, another newer movie. Um, this one came out last year. Um, it got some people in it that's, you know, that's familiar faces. Um, some might even say that, you know what I'm saying, when they watched it, they seen the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't do too much because I, I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, I plan okay. on watching it tonight. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, it's um, it, it seems like it's gonna be great, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it, I, I, you know, like I told you, I got the, I got the, just from the previews. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get yeah. I get skeleton I get skeleton key vibes. You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, you know what? It's it's like <laughs> it's skeleton key, but 
blacker and better. <laughs> hey, you bullshit. better be right. Hey, listen, no, I love no, the skeleton listen. key. No, listen, I know, but I'm telling you because I, I love the skeleton key too. I'm telling you, it was a great movie. But this one, yo, okay, like you, you see what I'm saying? When you watch this shit, bro, you're gonna be like, hell nah, this is. Amazing, bro. <laughs> I don't. I'm, su- I'm surprised people ain't been t- maybe because you know what I'm saying. Like I said, the, the pandemic and everything, so people can't really go out and see movies like that. But yo, this movie though, hey man, listen, I can't wait to get on this one either. Cause this one is uh this one is damn good. That's what's up, man. I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna watch it and try not to watch Judas of the Black Messiah again. Um, I know, I mean you can watch it, you can watch it both. <laughs> you can watch it both. <laughs> oh man, like I look, man, it's Man, it's it's an honor doing this podcast with you, man. Like it, it, it's Same it's here, just great. I, Same here, I, I know, I know it's probably gonna be a black Masu- uh uh black messiah fucking week because I'm pretty sure, like, you know, like I told you, Uncle Washington came over here. He was like, man, I watched it, and I was surprised the fact of that. I guess I get surprised like when I know like Uncle Washington has a brilliant mind. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yes. And I was surprised to know that the fact that, and I guess that just shows like how crazy I am about Fred. But he was like, dude, he said, I had no idea that put him to sleep. He said, I didn't know that until I watched the movie. Yeah. And I was like, and I'm like, how the fuck did I know? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, how did I know this? That's something I found out too, because I'm thinking, when I heard the story, you know what I'm saying, when I was doing my research, I'm thinking like, yo, they just ran into the shit, busted in, started shooting, and from from the, you know what I'm saying, from reading about it, at the time when I had read about it, it was like, I was like, it was around high school. So when I'm reading about it, I'm thinking like, they went in and just shot him up. I didn't even know that he only was shot three times. So it's yeah, just like, like do it. man, yeah, it's it's wild, man, to sit back and think like, damn, like I've 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 done, I've watched and read so much about him. It's just like, yeah. damn, man. It's like for me to, to know that and oh, you like, what you did you you didn't know? Yeah, like that was just yeah. wild. That was wild. But man, like, listen, um, you know, uh, you know, I sent out <laughs> I sent out some new requests, man. So we got some new people. Um, nice. you know, to join the um the VA podcast watch group page. Yes, sir. Um, please go watch that, man. Because I mean, we'll go join that page because, man, like we said before, like the more and more people um that we can get to join, you know, the more and more we can get y'all involved with some of the projects that we do. Um, yeah. you know what I'm saying? We we want to be a podcast for the people. Um, I, I feel like we doing. I feel like we doing great movies, but you know what I'm saying. Like, but we want to be interactive with the people to see if we can get y'all more involved and start putting up polls yeah, and all man. type of things like that. We can have so, someone uh, as guests and everything, man. That'd be dope. Yeah, man. Exactly. Um, so please go join that group, man. Also, um, you know, what I'm saying it's not a group, but you can uh, join the uh, the Stolen Time Podcast page. On Facebook, you can follow the Stolen Time Pie on Instagram. Um, either even the um, S. Foster Eight that's on Instagram and Twitter. 
Um, also, go support um, my 28 Minutes or Less podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I probably won't do one this week, but the last episode is the Fred Hampton podcast that I did. Um, for people don't think that I'm a, a a pretender, this was out before Judas of the Black Messiah came out. Yeah. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> that's just knowledge that's in the brain. So go check out that podcast. And, um, you know, again, man, I, you know, I, I just appreciate everybody, man. I, I just, you know, I just want to be appreciative. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I never look at the numbers for this podcast, but, um, but I, I appreciate everybody that, you know what I'm saying? That listens, that support us, everything that we got going on. Cause like, mm-hmm. man, we got some true supporters out there, you know, hopefully, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be, I'm going to be debuting the new, uh, Intro for the uh stolen time, not stolen, but 28 minutes or less. You know what I'm saying? We got that. Remember, I sent you a, a rough draft. I'm saying we got it, we got it uh figured out. So, you know, so hopefully I'll be debuting that. So, shout out to Casey, appreciate him for uh putting that together for me. But, um, that's all I got, man, for sure, man. Uh, make sure you guys go follow me on Twitter at Scoots Bronson. I'm on Instagram at Scoots Bronson underscore TV. Um, and the YouTube is Scoots Bronson TV. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Um, and also make sure you, you know what I'm saying, if y'all want to figure out whenever we go live, hit that notification bell too. You know what I'm saying? That way you can get updated anytime uh, we do the podcast, we go live. You'll be able to hear it before everybody that's able to listen to it. Um, and then, you know what I'm saying, go check out 15 Minutes of Fame, man. Um, Last episode I did, I believe, was with uh, Jasmine Soto. Um, she has an organization called Organizations Helping the World. You're speaking about, well, we're speaking about people who actually out here putting the, the work out, and that's what she's doing. So I think that, you know what I'm saying, that's something that you guys can go check out. And, you know, you can go volunteering, everything else like that. If you want to help out, all the information is uh, on 15 Minutes of Fame podcast. Um, this Thursday, we're going to be back with the homie Jamar Dean on the Culture Connoisseur podcast. So you guys keep an eye out for that. That's going to be fun. Um, make sure, like I said, or like as I said, man, hit. make sure y'all go to the Facebook uh, Viewers Anonymous podcast group. Make sure y'all, Viewers Anonymous podcast watch group, I'm sorry. Y'all go check that out. Make sure y'all hit those requests so we can add y'all in. And, um... Man, thank y'all for supporting as usual, man. We we really appreciate y'all. If this is your first time listening, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast side too. We really would appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. Um, rest in peace to Fred Hampton. Shout out to the good brother, Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. And shout out to the Queen, Deborah Johnson. Um, and, you know, rest in peace to all those people that lost their lives. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Fighting for the people. We definitely appreciate you guys. Um, and we're doing our best, you know what I'm saying, to keep those legacies alive and, and to cherish and honor those legacies as well. And with that being said, man, um, like they say in Hollywood, it's a wrap. Good.